Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. Razaban here for IFL TV in association with MTK Global with me all the way from New Zealand, the early hours of the morning in New Zealand. Uh, my man Kevin Barry, coach Kevin Barry. Uh, Kev, it's been a while. No, it hasn't. It's only been a few weeks, but how are you? <laughs> hey, for some things, a few weeks is a while. Yeah, that's true. That's very <laughs> hey, lovely to talk to you, Raz, and be, and be on IFL TV. It's, it's, always, uh, it's always a pleasure, mate. Last time we spoke, you were in quarantine. You were, you were making up games to, with your wife and your son just for time to pass by. Uh, are you relieved quarantine is now over? I tell you what, I, I was very happy to be finished. But to, look, to be completely honest, I've said to a lot of my friends and colleagues here in Auckland, you know, when they were saying, oh, we would hate to have done that. It must have been so hard. I went, no, look, it really wasn't. I think if, if you go in with a, with a positive frame of mind um, and just tell yourself, look, you know, for the, for the good of everyone, um, the, the country and the people of New Zealand and what they're trying to do, you know, you just do your time. It's 14 days. It's really not that hard. Um, I wouldn't have liked to have done three weeks, but the, the two weeks went by, it went by pretty, pretty quickly. You know, as you know, I was exercising. I had an exercise cycle. I was doing a bunch of media. I was also strategizing this upcoming fight between Joseph Parker and Junior Farr. And I, and I had a couple of projects that I was working on in Vegas before I left that I continue to work on. Um, one thing that was very, very apparent for me is, gosh, this, um, this new Zoom app is, insanely great you know it has changed the whole world and you know I, at one stage i had it i remember and, and i've relayed the story to a few people since arriving up here in auckland that um i was on a zoom call one morning uh, and um, i was on with five different countries and five different people at the same time it was just incredible how technology had changed the world <laughs> for the better i believe Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Kev, um, Joe was out earlier this year. Luckily, he got out just before the pandemic kicked in. Right. You, you've teamed back up with him. How has he been looking? We know Joe's been quite busy over the, uh, the, the pandemic, making his videos and making those songs and, and keeping us all entertained, which he certainly did. But how right. uh, was his shape when you kind of went straight back on the pads first day? Look, I came back to a fighter who was in very good shape and somebody who had made the most of his time off, not only making movies um, and, and increasing his profile, but uh, he was actually did a lot of training. He did a lot of strength and conditioning work, mainly strength. It's something that he had wanted to do for a long time. Um, so first day in the gym, when I saw him, um, we got on the scales, and he was literally two and a half kilograms over his fight weight, which was fantastic. Um, first day in the gym, we hit pads for 12 rounds. We'd never, ever done that. Um, you know, it's something that we usually work into and it sort of takes, you know, three, four weeks before he's even near doing something like that. So he's in pretty decent shape. Um, training's gone well. You know, we're, uh, we're nearly two and a half weeks in 
uh, with four and a half weeks to go and, and everything is well on track. And uh, um, we've, we've got a tremendous private facility we use here in Auckland that we're very lucky to have. It's, a, it's, it's an old former promoter trainer. This is, a, this is one of the great New Zealand boxing stories. It's a gentleman by the name of Mike Edwards. And when I started, when I moved to Auckland and started promoting boxing, Mike was an established promoter. He's uh, in his mid to late 70s. Um, uh, he was a trainer, manager, promoter. He had guys win world titles. And he has this private facility that he works in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from uh, seven in the morning until midday. And he holds pads for, for his personal clients. Uh, just a just a great great story, and you know he's uh, he's he's quite a successful guy, but he goes if I gave this up I'd die, you know. So here he is, you know. My, as I said, he's uh, you know in late seventies, holding pads for all these young clients. It, it's a it's a great thing. But he's got this private gym in Auckland that he allows us to use every time we come here, and we have total control over it. We've had a We've had a media day there last week. We've had a couple of press conferences there, but it's uh, it's tremendous that we get full. You know, we have full control of the place, which is something that I always like. You know, when you're in a training camp environment. When a junior Far and and Joe go back to the amateurs, we know they were they fought many times. I think six times in total. No, four, four times. Four times in total. Yeah. Um, we also know that Junior Fars, one of the victories that Junior had over Joe resulted in Joe not going to the Olympics itself. Um, yes. is, do you use that to motivate Joe to get him to, to bring out, he's such a nice guy, Joe, to bring out this kind of vicious side into this fight because we're seeing now where some fighters are not able to perform under the lights and behind closed doors when you're um, sparring certain fighters perform even better. Um, this fight is going to be in front of fans, though. So we're going to have a full capacity because New Zealand is a, one of those countries where the virus is under control. Uh, only the rest of us follow the same guidance and same leadership as New Zealand Prime Minister. But how dangerous is this fight for Joe? Do you know that you just asked me about six questions or, or you gave me six things to comment on in one, in one big sentence, Raz? And as you were asking all of them, I was trying to restore them all the way in my head, thinking, God, boy, he's going to keep adding to it. <laughs> I looked, look, for a start off, look, you know, you know, this fight has got huge significance, not just for Joe, but for the WBO and for boxing in general. Um, the two of them do have history. It goes right back to their amateur days. Um, Junior won the first fight, Joe won the second and third, and the, 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 the fourth fight, where the stakes could not be higher because it was for a place in the in the Olympic game team, uh, Junior won the decision. Uh, so you know that is something that does eat away at Joe, and something that uh, I yes I I do throw it out there every now and then for motivation, and do not let him forget it. Um, it's something that we talked about a lot early in his career, not so much after he became world champion, but it's something that you know it's a button I can def definitely use to push. For our advantage, the thing about you know the, the boxing cliche, the the old famous one, styles make fights. Well, you know, Junior proved that he had the style twice in the amateurs to beat Joe. Um, it's a bigger task for him now, but the stakes could not be could not be higher than they are in this fight. Uh, Junior uh, 
when you when you talk about Joe being a nice guy, Junior's a very nice guy as well. Very humble, very similar to Joe in a lot of ways, except for he, he hasn't had the he he hasn't had the promotion, he hasn't had the marketing, and he hasn't had the opportunities. And this is Junior Farr's big opportunity. You know, lining up with the former WBO world champion Joseph Parker. Um, it's a fight where he can show the boxing world, hey, I am for real. This is a massive opportunity for him. This is a life-changing fight for Junior Farr. Um, but saying all that, this is also a very dangerous fight for Joseph Parker because of a couple of things. Um, Joe's sitting there at number three in the world with the WBO and Junior is number six with the WBO. You know, we must get the right result here in this fight to, to move forward and to put ourselves uh, in a good position to be in a box off or a shot at the world title. Um, the pressure is all on Joseph Parker in this fight. He is the favorite. He is the guy who has fought in the battle-hardened fights against some of the biggest names in world boxing. Uh, you know, the Carlos Takam, Andy Ruiz, uh, Dimitrenko, um, Dillian White, and of course, Anthony Joshua. So, you know, he has had those big-time fights to prepare himself and turn himself into the elite athlete uh, or the elite professional boxer that he is today. Um, so, you know, he needs to call on all that experience uh, in this fight. And um, so I think I've ticked off a few of the things you said. Now, the last thing I believe you said to me, Raz, was about the crowd. Yes, we, we are expecting um, a full house. It's an indoor arena at Spark here in Auckland, holds about 10,000 people. Um, you know, 10,000 New Zealanders in an indoor venue being deprived of international sport for most of the year will sound like, you know, 25,000 people. So this is something that we're really excited about and something that we're, that we're looking forward to. This is the arena where Joe beat Andy Ruiz. You also mentioned about um, Junior walking out into the big lights. Now, you can, you can prepare, you can talk through, you can get a sports psychologist help, you can use visualization, you can, you can use all these things to your advantage, but it's not until you physically actually walk through the tunnel and the big light is on you for the first time that you find out how you're going to react to that real pressure. Now we know with Joseph Parker, in his sixth professional fight, he fought Francois Botha, who had seen everything, done everything, fought everyone at the time. Sure, Botha was on the, at the end of his career, but let's remember J Joseph Parker uh, was a six round fighter, fighting a man of vast experience on live television in New Zealand. And he showed right then at the beginning that I was born for the bright lights, you know, I love the bright lights. I want the light shining on me. And, you know, we've had, we've now had 15 um, live pay-per-view events in New Zealand that Joe has headlined in his boxing career of 29 fights, 23 of those fights uh, worldwide, he has been the headline. 
So, you, you know, this is something that you can't teach. This is something that, you know, you have to find out through experience. And I suppose we'll find out on the night of uh, December 12th, just how Junior Farr responds and reacts when the, when the, the big bright lights are on him, Raz. We know Dillian White, we know uh, Alexandra Usyk, we know Joseph Parker. There's a few names that are after those, those, those world title belts that are around the waist of Anthony Joshua and Taz Fury. But is there more pressure? Because we know, we don't really know the current state with Anthony Joshua's WBO belt. We know the mandatory is called and Usyk is next. But we know Anthony Joshua, if successful against Pulev, is going for Tyson Fury. And yes. if the WB, WBO do not allow that fight, then they'll strip him or AJ will vacate the belt, which will allow Usyk to fight either, well, around there, you've got Joseph Parker, Daniel Dubois, who fights Joe Joyce. So is there even that added pressure now? Because potentially it could be a world title fight after this for Joe. Well, look, I wouldn't say it's an added pressure. I'd say it was it was an added motivation because we know that there was a very good chance and no one knows which way the cards are going to fall. But one thing we do know is back in 2016, when we beat Carlos Tackham, that was for the number one place with the IBF. And then, of course, Tyson Fury gave up, beat Klitschko, gave up the WBO belt, and here we were, more or less, within one or two days, going from the number one fighter in the IBF, trying to position Joe for a chance of fighting for their world title, to fighting Andy Ruiz for the WBO world title. So we know that we know that these things happen. We have experienced these things happening, you know, for the good of us. So we also know that we must we must be prepared. And we must, we must, more than anything else, we must win this fight on the 12th to put ourselves in a position where we can be called on to fight for the world title. And as you mentioned, you know, there was a big fight coming up in the UK that has a lot of significance as well as Daniel Dubois versus Joe Joyce, you know, and we will be rooting very, very hard that, for Joe Joyce that he knocks Dubois out. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of weeks away uh, now from that particular fight. Um, Kev, I want to get your opinion. I've been speaking to a couple of people, and people have said something controversial. I wanted to get your opinion on it, and they say, well, "You know, I can't be controversial, Raz." No, you're straight to the point. That was the that was the old Kevin Barry. <laughs> Usyk is better than Evander Holyfield. Now. Some people have swung both sides and said, yes, he is. Some have said, no. You've been in the ring with Evander Holyfield. You were there when Evander obviously dominated the cruiserweight division, undisputed, went up to heavyweight and beat legitimate heavyweight kings, thrones. Mike Tyson obviously stands out. Uh, but what do you see in Usyk? Do you see any resemblance? And do you see him being successful at heavyweight like he was at cruiserweight? Well, let me, let me just try and answer your first question. I think Evander Holyfield was the best cruiserweight there ever was, um, you know, for a number of reasons. For his boxing IQ, for his conditioning, for his, for his power as a cruiserweight, uh, for his massive heart, and his, um, he would just refuse to lose, you know. Everyone knew that when they fought Holyfield, 
they better come prepared. And, and he was a tremendous uh, cruiserweight and he turned out to be a tremendous heavyweight, but a little heavyweight. Um, we know when Holyfield went up uh, to heavyweight and challenged Buster Douglas, um, I believe he weighed 208 pounds. Um, and we all know he, he, you know, he knocked Buster Douglas out in three rounds uh, with the right hand. We also know that the fight before that, Douglas had knocked out Mike Tyson. So, you know, Holyfield um, did have the ability to knock out heavyweights as well. Uh, whether, you know, the two fights that we've seen, let me say this, I think, I think Alexander Usyk is a tremendous fighter. Um, and, you know, when, you, when we talk about great, undisputed cruiserweight champions, oh, look, I might be a little biased on Holyfield, but, I mean, I think people are always going to say Holyfield and Usyk. They're going to put, put those names together, and, and Usyk deserves it from the simple fact that, you know, what he, what he achieved, the people he fought in the cruiserweight division, what I believe he has shown in his move up to heavyweight is that the difference in power is becoming very, very apparent with each fight. And I believe that looking at the, you know, as you know, I, I thought he would beat Chisora easy and I expect him to break him down and stop him towards the end. And I still think that he, if, that he had a chance to do that. Um, but I, but I think that he is really going to struggle to get the respect of the big heavyweights because of a lack of power. Um, not because of a lack of skill, but I just don't think he has the, the power at heavyweight to hurt the really big men. When you say big men, are we referring to the Dylan Whites, the Anthony Joshua, the Tyson, the Joseph Parkers, the you know the the Joshua, the Fury, those sort of guys. I think he's going to he's going to really struggle with because they're just too big. Does, does he need time to adapt to the weight though, uh, Kev? Yeah, he look. Obviously, time would be a friend to him, but um, you know him and his team they knew when they moved up from the undisputed cruiserweight champion that they'd go straight into the mandatory. Um, I believe they didn't have to accept it. So, you know, they, they already had decided their path and their path was to get to the title as fast as they can. And, you know, we know we've, we've been through a pandemic and we know we've been through a couple of like a, a, a potential trilogy with, Fury and Wilder that didn't happen. And we know that, you know, we've got mandatories for Joshua. And so, you know, there's a whole lot of things that have stalled the process. Um, if things had gone smoothly, they would have already had that world title fight now. And I don't think they were ready for it. Uh, Usyk did an interview with Sky Sports after the fight and they said, what do you want next? Do you want to become the world champion? And he said, no, I want to become the undisputed world champion. Right. All fighters say that, and they have to say that. And you, gosh, how many how many fighters in in various divisions have you interviewed, Raz, who have said the same thing to you? You know, 
my goal is not just to be the world champion. It is to be the undisputed world champion. <laughs> and you want your fighters to think like that. And you want them to say that. There's not too many of them that when they actually say it, you think, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, most of them saying, hey, just, you know, most fighters, when they say it, I think we're all just saying, just be thankful if you win a world title. Um, I just want to get your opinion on some other stuff. We know at the end of this month, we've got one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, Mike Tyson, back in the ring against one of my favorite fighters in Roy Jones Jr., um, who was probably brought pound for pound one of the great fighters of the 90s as well. Getting into the ring for an exhibition, uh, we're hearing Oscar De La Hoya is planning a comeback, uh, talks with Marcus Maidana. It seems like he spoke to Dan Rafael yesterday. Um, that not an exhibition, that's a proper sanctioned fight. <sighs> Is it the fighter mentality that it never goes away? You, you, it's always in your brain. You always wanna, you always wanna fight. That is never gonna go away. You can't just peacefully retire. Well, look, a, a lot of old fighters, sure, um, always want to believe that they can, that they still have it, that they can still pull the trigger. And the the, the smart ones take that drive and that win at all cost mentality into other aspects of their life, into businesses, um, you, you know, and the things that, that they can use their productiveness and their, and their will to win in other aspects of their life. But, you know, for fighters to be coming back in their 50s or late 50s and fighting, mate, I'm just not a big fan. I really, really aren't. And as, mu as much as I respect Tyson and respect Roy Jones. I think Roy Jones was a great fighter. I think that, you know, he has obviously tarnished his legacy in recent years, you know, in, in the fights that he's been damaged in. You know, I, I'm not a fan of that. You know, I, I, I'm a fan of fighters going out and retiring, you know, I was going to say at the top, but look, it's pretty, it's pretty hard when you've got to the top. And even when you're on the slide a little, a lot of guys make their biggest, their biggest paydays in their life after they start that slide. Sure, I can accept that. But I mean, you know, when you're well over your best, get out of the game. Show some respect for your, not only for yourself, but for the sport of boxing. You know, boxing is a very unforgiving sport, a very damaging sport. And, mate, we don't need, you know, these great, great now uh, older statesmen coming back and lacing the gloves up again. As I said before, as I'm not a fan. I want to touch on, uh, and I'll end with this topic, Deontay uh, Wilder. Looks like the trilogy fight is not going to happen. Tarsa Fury looks like he's taking a, a defense in, in December here in London. If Joshua wins, I, I believe that's the fight that everyone wants to make. But Deontay Wilder posted a video um, a week or so, 10 days ago, which I'm sure you may have seen or heard about. Um, he's gone on to do some other interviews and made certain comments as well. I just want to get your reaction to the things he said, the excuses that he's come out with, the accusations that he's come out with, uh, not just about Tyson Fury, but the referee and his long-term trainer, Mark Breland, as well. Look, obviously, uh, let me let me start by saying this. Uh, look, I like Deontay Wilder. I think he's a I think he's a really good guy, and I'm really happy for my friend Malik Scott 
uh, to take the position as part of his training team now. Um, but, uh, you know, you were looking in from the outside, you would have to come to the conclusion that Deontay Wilder's hurting, and he's hurting a lot. And, um, you know, for a man who was so proud and so unbeatable and so menacing for so long, um, the way that he lost his last fight against Tyson Fury, I think he just has not been unable to accept it. Um, and, and his pain and his anger uh, is very, very apparent, and it's come out, you know, in a lot of things that he has said. And, and I personally think that in the years to come, he will he will regret and be disappointed with himself for some of the things that he has been saying, because you know it's obviously a little unfair, and it's it's at times embarrassing. Um, and, and for a fighter who has been so great and so respected, I think that he could have handled this um, much, much better. Kev, when you say he, were, he was hurting, um, obviously he was undefeated, he was knocking everybody, he knocked everybody out that he fought other than Fury in the, in the first fight, and then obviously took that defeat in the second fight. But when you're, when you're such on a high and then you get dropped down to the very low. We saw Joe when he fought, he was undefeated against Anthony uh -huh. Joshua. He took a loss. How was Joe after that fight? I just want to kind of compare how Deontay is acting now, but how was Joe and how did Joe take uh, the loss? You know, I think at the time, um, like it was, that whole event was, was life-changing for Joe. Um, you know, I think, you, you know, Joe being true to himself, um, probably thought there was a chance of that, that that particular unification fight would never happen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was so, I honestly believe that the disappointment for him losing that fight wasn't immediate. It was something over the next couple of years when he actually, you know, when he had the chance to absorb it and analyze it and think it through. I think that hurt him more then because he know he knew that you know not, not only did we have a poor referee and that, that that made sure that we never had a proper fight, but there was a lot more that should have been done in that fight, a lot more punches. So you know his disappointment came later, um, but you know Joe's Joe's mental makeup is totally different from from that of a Deontay Wilder. We all know that. Um, you know, I keep coming back to this word hurt and pain. You know, he needs to he he needs to deal with that and to process that before he ever thinks about getting back into the ring again, because it will just eat him up. And it, look, he's a guy that uh, does he still have something left? Yeah, I, I believe he does. Um, you know, and, you know, having, you know, making a change, sometimes change is good. But don't, don't embarrass yourself by throwing everyone under the bus. You know, I think you have to be accountable to yourself and you have to stand up and, uh, and accept a loss when it comes your way. I spoke to quite a few people here in the UK. They said 
Deontay Wilder needs somebody close to him to put their hand around his shoulder and say, just stay away from social media. Just, yeah. just live your life. He's got, he's got a lovely family. He's got a wife. He's got a few kids as well. Spend time, reflect, and come back even stronger. It's only a loss. It doesn't mean you learn from losses. You know, and I tell you what, he's got a very good team. Like, JD's has been with him his whole career, and Jay's done a tremendous job. And Jay's, a, like, a, a really good man. Um, also, Deontay's father is, 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 a, is a pastor. You know, I would, you know, I would be thinking that those sort of people around him would be saying, mate, <laughs> let's, you know, let's put this behind us. Let's not keep dragging it, dragging it out and going through what if and what could have been and the mistakes that were made. Look, it's history now. You know, show, show yourself, if you're going to continue, show what you have. Put that on display in the way you perform in your next fight. Absolutely. Uh, Kev, thank you so much for giving me a few moments of your time. Uh, I'm sure I'll... Always my pleasure, Raz. You know that, brother. Of course, of course. You always show me love from, from day one. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to be pestering you in about five weeks' time, maybe on the 12th of December post-fight and say, Kevin, we need a reaction because I couldn't be out there in New Zealand in time. Call me the week of the fight. We'll do something. Absolutely. No, we will do. We will do. Kevin Barry, IFL TV, thank you very much. Thanks, Rez. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free, impartial advice on all your debt.